0: Check out episode 49, where we talk to Bill from Risk Methods. He's going to go through everything that you need to know about risks in supply chain and how it's not going to cost you your job. This is Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, where we interview the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about the best practices, changes in the industry, and hot topics in supply chain. We answer all your questions and put the sexy into your supply chain. We are your hosts. Sarah, and Nick. Hello and welcome back to another amazing episode of Two Babes Talk Supply Chain. Today we are joined by Dallas Scene, VP of Operations at Fun.com, and we he is here to discuss how to scale up your operation for seasonal spikes. Dallas is the Vice President of Operations for Fun.com, the world's largest pure play Halloween e-com company. During his time there, he has overseen exponential growth in both order volume and SKU count, currently handling over 60,000 SKUs. He has tailored two custom warehouse management systems to keep up with this unique growth. He is also an authority on scalability from leading a team of 100 in the off season to over 1,500 during peak months. Welcome to the show, Dallas. We are so excited that you could take the time to talk to us today.
1: Well, thank you very much, Sarah. I'm excited to be on, too. I'm glad we were uh, able to finally connect after uh, uh, having to reschedule a couple times.
0: Absolutely. No, we uh, we know that you bring a lot of value to our audience. So let's get started. Why don't you tell us about your role at Fund.com and what is Fund.com?
1: Sure. Um, I guess we'll, we'll start with what is Fund.com. Uh, so we are um, an e-com company, uh, as you said there in the intro. Um, our primary, uh, Fun.com is, is the name of the company, but our primary uh, website is HalloweenCostumes.com, and 90 95% of our business uh, is still costumes at this point. That's how we started family-owned business, started, uh, you know, renting. Uh, the owner started renting costumes out of their garage, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, the, the son, who's the CEO now, you um, had the idea of, hey, let's take this online, and we've grown from, uh, you know, a garage to outgrowing a 250,000-square-foot warehouse, and we're looking at expanding and and opening a facility in the U.K. next year, Uh, done that in about the last 10 years or so, Um, you know, outside of of Halloween, which is what we'll talk about primarily primarily today, um, you know, gifts, we, uh, we do a lot of manufacturing now, um, about a third of what we sell is private label, um, and that's kind of got the the majority of our focus right now is how to expand that and differentiate ourselves and make cool products and different things that, you know, that people are looking for. Uh, and then as far as my role, um, I'm the, the head of operations, um, and what that means for us is typically operations here is, is anything involved with order fulfillment. So it's going to be, you know, shipping and receiving and warehousing and, uh, and customer service and, and those, you know, uh, consumer returns and those sorts of things. Um, and then I also help with, uh, as far as our, our season, you know, we call it, we just call it season. Uh, we ramp uh, other departments, you know, our, our buying and purchasing, our marketing. Uh, so I help some of those folks as well scale all that up. Um, outside of that, um, I do a lot of forward-facing things. I'm usually kind of running off in the distance, um, you know, and, trying to figure out what we're going to be doing a couple of years down the road, um, you know, mentioned maybe going over to the UK, um, I've traveled over there looking at warehouses here recently. Uh, we're opening three retail stores uh, in the, the Minneapolis Twin Cities area this year to test out uh, some different concepts there that, that uh, we don't think any of our, our competitors are, are doing quite right. And we think we can do better. Uh, a handful of other uh, projects.
0: Wow, that's a big job. I do a little bit of
1: everything. I, uh, you know, I, I like to say that I've always kind of worked to make myself irrelevant in whatever it is that I'm doing, because then that just lets me run off and uh, and do do what I want.
0: I love that. I love that because most people do the opposite.
1: <laughs> yep. Biggest mistake.
0: <laughs> well, and it keeps you it keeps you on your toes, and it keeps you you know motivated and busy because you're you're doing all sorts of different things, and you're able to learn from those as well.
1: Yep. Exactly. And there's always something from you know there's always something you're going to learn and take away from it, right? So even if something doesn't go quite right, you can take what you learned there, move it into the next project, help, you know, help uh, I can help my team apply it, some of the, the things that I've learned the hard way, um, you know, apply that to what they're working on, and it all just kind of builds on itself.
0: Yeah, and I think some of the supply chain folks that are, you know, listen to this show, I think we've been talking about this a lot recently, especially in supply chain, is that it's not just supply chain. Supply chain, you know, affects all different sides and aspects of the business. And it's, you know, even coming to light a a few episodes ago, we were talking about branding and supply chain and, you know, marketing and supply chain. And uh, I think people are really starting to come around to the fact that, you know, all moving parts of supply chain have things to do with different parts of the business. So,
1: Yeah, in, in my experience, if you just look at everything holistically and look at it, it's a little bit cliché, but if you look at it from a customer-first standpoint um, and, and begin with that in mind, you're going to be better off. If you just call it supply chain, you've got this, this function that you could be looking just at, at, at the supply chain portion of your operations and saying, well, what do you mean? All my metrics are being hit and everything looks great. But if you're not actually looking at the business as a whole and looking how it impacts your customer, you could be falling short somewhere.
0: That's a really great point. So let's touch on branding for a second, or, or marketing, if you will. We love your tagline. So everybody, their tagline is delivering memories through a billion smiles, a, a million laughs, and a few disappointing head shakes. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that was a long time in the making. That, that came from Tom, uh, came from the CEO. and you know, I think it just kind of sums up, I I really don't remember how we specifically arrived there. I know it was a long conversation, uh, one evening. Um, but you know, we, we take what we do seriously and we work hard, but we don't take ourselves seriously at all. And that's something that I think that that shows through, um, and something that I, I hope never changes. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean we like I said, I think the best way to describe it is that we just, we don't take ourselves seriously and, and probably shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I
0: love that. And two people take too many people take themselves or, or each other too seriously sometimes these days. Yep. So it's it's nice to hear that and you've got to be able to laugh, you know, through some of the challenges Absolutely. and through some of the good times. So now we're gonna get into seasonality of your business. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it and how it works? Sure. Um,
1: I mean, seasonality is, is what we do. Um, and I, I think it's really one of our core competencies. Um, so we, just to summarize it, give you some numbers. We, we ramp up about 40-fold, um, you know, the last week of October versus the rest of the year. Um, and we we hire uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 1,500 to 2,000 temporary employees. Uh, we have a permanent staff of about 160. Um, and, you know, it's we don't uh you know we're in a, in a event driven industry so we only have one chance to get it right so if, if we you know if we fall behind if we don't meet customer expectation that last week either you know one we're never going to get it back uh or two even if we can you know upgrade some orders pay a little bit more to to you know express deliver things and, and whatnot uh, you know it's a huge huge uh, cost of the company so um that, that's a challenge that that we face um and and we you know we apply that uh, basically to all areas you know our logistics customer service you know we, we we have the same expectations during that peak time as we do the rest of the year.
0: Wow, that's like seasonality on a grand scale.
1: Yeah, it is um, you know and we it, it was it, it, it's been a bumpy road, uh, off and on. It's, it's, you know, it's something that really we've come into our own the last few years and, and managed it quite well. Um, you know, to the point where I think it's, it's a bit of a point of pride, uh, for everybody. You know, a lot of the, the managers get a little, little swagger to their step. Uh, you know, when, when we talk about what it is that they have to do and you go out and into a conference, you know, I go out and if I go speak and, and network and, um, you know, I get a chance to, to tell, you know, tell folks what what we do and and what our teams accomplish and and everybody's just always kind of amazed. Um, So uh, I guess do do you want to get into detail with with the specifics of how we do it now or or what direction do you think uh, we should go?
0: Yeah I absolutely do. I want to get into some of the biggest challenges you face. I mean obviously you've taken some time to perfect this so what were the challenges you know right the way through Um, and then you know, how how do you scale something like that, you know, like from 160 to 1,500 people? And is that just for a week?
1: Um, we really only need that for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a slow, you know, we start getting busier about the first week in September, but it really doesn't crescendo until the last week, week and a half. Um, you know, if in a perfect world, we wouldn't need most of those folks until a week or so into October. Um, we would need additional help earlier, but not, not as much as we need to, um, you know, just, based on the logistics of, of, of bringing people in, and training them, and getting them some experience. Um, you know, we, we have to start them earlier, even though we don't really need them.
0: Um, yeah, and are you, uh, sorry, are Talking you,
1: about basic challenges. So you know, one, it's obviously just getting that many people in the door, right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, it's 1,500 to 2,000 people. I think last year we hired, we had 1,901 people, uh, wow. log hours in October. Um, And we do that in a town of about 50,000 people is all. So we we employ like four to five percent of the town, um, you know, for for a month or so, uh, which is pretty impressive. Um,
0: So does that give you the luxury of, you know, having people come back so you're not training like you're not starting from scratch every time or how does that work?
1: Yeah, and that, that gets better each and every year, too. You know, we get some folks that, for different reasons, they either they have a different job, we have a, a lot of folks maybe do taxes. Um, we get a lot of those folks in our call center um, that their busy season, you know, is is March and April, and, you know, this time of year they don't have a lot going on, so they come in. They come back every year. Um, but no, it, it's, you know, you get better retention, uh, you know, a better no-show rate, people come to work when they come back every year and you know their name and know who they are. Mm -hmm. Um, And it it saves you money in training and you just get a better, better customer experience out of it for sure.
0: So the scalability, so sorry, the scale up of this. So it's across the business. Are you talking, you know, in the warehouse as well as in the call center? And and what other parts of the business are scaling up during this time?
1: Um, I mean, those are the largest ones. I mean, are, are just what we call our shipping department, which is pick and pack. Um, You know that gets the lion's share of the people. That gets at least, uh, probably should know this, but you know somewhere between half and two-thirds of the the bodies that come in. Mm -hmm. um, That just takes the most horsepower. Um, You know, customer service. We've got I want to say maybe eight or nine permanent folks. Um, You know, we'll have I think we'll hire maybe 200 to 250. Uh, Busiest day we'll maybe have 100 people uh, taking calls and answering you know chats and emails. Um, and as far as other areas of the business, um, you know, in terms of volume, it's not that great, but there's a huge impact in, you know, pr- you know, merchandising, uh, you know, price adjustments, you know, costumes are really a commodity, uh, mm-hmm. when you get towards the, you know, into October, um, if you buy well and, and somebody else is either, you know, running out or has too many, or if you can make, you know, price adjustments, uh, you know, it makes a huge difference for, for how your season goes. Um, if you're aware of that and can, can adjust accordingly. Um, and then our marketing team uh, also, you know, we do uh, a decent chunk of our business, uh, you know, selling through Amazon. Um, so looking at making sure that uh, all our product listings are accurate, you know, adjusting prices to try to hit the buy box on Amazon, um, you know, small adjustments to any of our paid search campaigns that, you know, we get folks that can help with those things.
0: Wow. Okay. So then you're going from nine people to 250 in the call center, and then you've got half to two thirds going into the warehouse. Where do you put these people?
1: <laughs> it's uh, the building gets a little messy. Uh, I always kind of liken it to uh, we hit the first of November, and it feels like we had a giant party with uh, 2,000 total strangers, and well, they I, all just left.
0: I'm sure you're partying at uh, by that week, though. Aren't are you not?
1: <laughs> uh, we're napping, and then we're partying.
0: Okay. <laughs> Uh, but,
1: no, it's the, the building is definitely, uh, you know, it's, it's a few more people than what would be comfortable, but it, it works out okay.
0: Okay. Awesome. So and then I guess what differentiates com from other seasonal businesses? I mean, apart from, obviously, the grandeur and, and the scale of it all, um, what would you say also differentiates you?
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that's the obvious answer, is I think just the degree to which we do it. Um, but I, I would like to think... That it's in the way that we approach it. Um, you know, we we take our. You know, you mentioned that that tagline with the the memories uh, and you know disapproving head shakes. But you, know, we take our core values very seriously. Um, we do hire and fire and reward based on those. Um, we we talk about them as a group. We are as an executive team. We talk about them every week, um, and, and hold each other accountable. And and we try to to live those and. You can't instill it in, you know, in people. Core values need to actually just be representation. But we at least try to display that to all of our, our temp folks that come in. Um, and while, you know, they, it, it just isn't realistic for that many people to have the same experience that we do as permanent employees, um, we at least try to give them a taste of it um, and, you know, help them understand who we are and make this a good experience. Um, so, you know, we actually have uh, quite a renewed—not renewed, but uh, I, want, I asked all of our, our directors and our managers to put a lot of focus this year into looking at temp experience, looking how we can make this an enjoyable thing for them. Um, one, it's the right thing to do, and two, you know, you had mentioned bringing back, uh, you know, repeat temps every year. Um, I think that that's going to be a big piece in that, in, into helping retain people, uh, retain people, excuse me, and bring them back in. Um, you know, we we do things like we throw a, we do throw a big party at the end of the year. I think it's you know, usually the first weekend in November. Um, you know, we rent out uh, the call center, or excuse me, rent, rent out the civic center uh, downtown here in Mankato, you know, bring in food and entertainment and have a, you know, have a dance and have a big party and just try to celebrate and, and use it as a time to thank those folks for coming in. Um, so I, I think that that's, you know, something that we do differently from everybody else.
0: That's amazing. And I, you bring up a really good point because I would imagine, you know, with seasonal businesses uh, or seasonal business in general, bringing people in, you know, on a temporary basis and having that consistency and really treating them well and t- for them to have an experience where they want to come back um, is really going to be key. As, I mean, on a large scale like yours, but even in other businesses when it's it's not even those numbers that we're talking about, it, it could be, you know, a smaller amount of people. Um, but really, they're going to be the critical factor um, and they're going to play a critical role in seasonal business.
1: Yep. Yeah, I mean, we do you know, we try to think of the little things, you know, we, we do things like, um, you know, a lot of them really do feel like a part of the family that, you know, they come back every year and come the beginning of August, they're usually the first people to come back because they help us, you know, they, they're, they leads and they help train and do things. And you see these people that you haven't seen in, in six, eight months or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, man, I've really missed seeing you around. Um, so we, you know, we do send, uh, we send out newsletters, um, to our, our former temp employees a couple times a year, just to help keep them up to date on what's going on. Um, give our managers a chance to, you know, tell them anything that they want to say. We, uh, you know, I talked about kind of the the focus on experience this year. We're going to look at all the touch points, um, you know, from when they first apply to are they showing up on the last week and look at every single interaction that, that somebody has and figure out how we can improve it. And we found some things like, oh, this certain training groups get stuck in this one conference room that's really hot and stuffy and awkward for Two hours after they start, well, okay, let's stop doing that. That's stupid. Um, or, you know, when we have training groups from a certain department, they would all meet up front, and nobody would meet them, and they just kind of awkwardly stand in a cluster until somebody came and got them. Okay, let that's an awkward experience. Let's let's fix that and make it uh, make it better for them.
0: Yeah, I, I love what you're doing there. I mean, it's it's just it makes things just run so much smoother, and you're, you're accountable for having you know, temps and you're allowing people, especially in this day and age, you know, where they talk about having, you know, a few different passions or working your passion and and things like that, you're allowing them to have that experience because they're, you know, they know that there's some work there for them for, you know, a month or maybe two months or three months of the year. And for the rest of the year, they could be doing something else. Like you said, some of those people are um, accountants and are only busy at tax season and you're allowing them to do what they want to do.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, and we and we benefit from it because I should be able to tell you how many, but we, we have you know, tons of employee, permanent employees in various positions in marketing and buying and different areas of management that started out as temp employees because we get to see so many people come in and work for a little bit and we get a chance to test them out and they can test us out and and everybody benefits from it.
0: Yeah and what about the younger generation? I mean it's not so easy you know to find a job or even to figure out what you want to do. I mean this allows them to uh, get an idea of different departments and, and different way things are working and it gives them a chance to try it out.
1: Yeah, that's something we've identified too. That I think we can do a little better job of uh, down the road is is opening up internships and things in different departments during our busy season, because we've got a uh, three or we got a what university of maybe 15,000 students and a couple of decent-sized colleges in town here that we can draw from, and I think we can continue to improve those relationships.
0: That would be great. So I know we've talked about a few of these, but what are your keys to success? Or, or maybe even just go through some of your core values and what you guys live by on a daily basis.
1: Well, let's see. Let's actually just start with the keys to success part. Um, so, you know, if, if I could give just some basic advice, um, you know, focusing on on retention and getting people back. because. Um, not only does it, you can look at it and say, hey, it saves you money in training or whatever, but even if it doesn't, it's going to show through and you're gonna get a better, a better result because those people are bought in and they're actually gonna care. Because we, we fight that quite a bit. You know, it's, there's always gonna be a certain percentage of people that they don't care what they're doing. It doesn't matter what they're doing, they're not gonna care, right? Right. Um, I think another key to success we've had is, is simplifying it um, you know, for people to, <laughs> allowing people to succeed. Um, you know, if, when you have to do things at scale and do things at volume, don't make it complicated. There's plenty of time to complicate things later. Start with the basics. You know, get get you know make your pick, make your pack, whatever it is, as simple as possible. And then you can always pull out the people that uh, are a little bit more capable and start to give them additional things. You know, we really um, stratify, if you want to call it that, the different jobs. So we start with everybody gets their base training, and then we have we know what types of picking packing, replenishment, decision making, whatever it is, get a little bit more difficult, and then we just elevate those folks as we go. Um, you know, I'd say another, uh, as a leader, um, I think that you should go through everything yourself. Um, you know, you should see your what what do those what do those first phone calls look like? You know, what 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 does your have you looked at what your job description looks like on the website? Have you seen the ads? Um, have you gone through orientation? Have you gone through training a bunch of times? You know, all of those things. You know, make sure you're aware of your touch points because there's things when you're doing it again at scale. Um, <laughs> I call it. Uh, if, if anybody's seen the, there's a, a, a kind of a, a mediocre um, 80s movie, 80s or 90s called Multiplicity with uh, Michael Keaton, where he makes a copy of himself and then the copy makes a copy and a copy makes a copy. Anyway, that's what I've always kind of joked about that we see here is you go along and no matter how much people care or what their intentions are, when you replicate stuff enough times, it, it always ends up getting a little bit garbled by the end. Right. Um, so making sure that as a leader that you see those things um, you know, is going to help get a better result. Um, you know, and I think lastly stay positive Um, you're going to run into problems so stop being surprised by it Um, just there are challenges with challenges with having temp employees and that that shouldn't uh shouldn't deter you from doing it you know the fact that you have to put time into training them and supervising shouldn't deter you from doing it in the end you're still probably going to get a better result
0: i love that I love that. Stop being surprised by it, because there's always going to be something, you know? it's kind of, Editors it's,
1: and directors are, are tired of hearing that. I say it all the time. Anytime somebody gripes, I just tell them to stop being surprised. If you're surprised more than once, it's your fault.
0: <laughs> well, I don't think that's just for seasonality either. I think that can go for everybody.
1: Yep. <laughs> probably good advice for life.
0: Um, can you give us a little bit of a vision of how that pick and pack works with the when you scale up for the season for the season
1: sure um let's see
0: we well,
1: let's, let's actually start with what's on the floor and, and replenishment um so we had to we, we realized two years ago now that um we've, we've written all of both um, wms systems we've had uh, in-house we have a tremendous development software development team um, you know, and that's kind of what helped us innovate is we basically all of our software is in-house. Um, so we realized that we were doing a real basic replenishment uh, when you, you know, we knew how much was in a bin and when a bin, when, when, a, when a case would fit, we would call for us to, to pull it down and we'd put it in the bin and, you know, up to a certain volume threshold that worked just fine because we wouldn't run out of things. Well, what we realized our volume started to get so high that we would, you know we would sell through more than a, a bin quantity and that wasn't allowing us to get things down in time and we were having all these stockouts and all these issues with with getting orders fulfilled by the end of the day because we couldn't replenish fast enough because we had to pick it in order to get it back in and anyway all these headaches so you know, we we change to a system where we do you know predictive replenishment, where we look at kind of a running average of the past, you know, it depends week, two weeks, month, whatever it is, and we try to estimate what we think we need on the floor of of any of our you know sixty sixty five thousand SKUs to get us through the next couple of days. So that's the process we're going through right now is building our stock levels back up on the floor to a point where we, you know, we should just be in management mode and not actually playing catch up as we as we scale up, right? Mhm. Um, We also try to do the majority of our our replenishment and and uh, what we call our inventory department. uh, Most of that work uh, in the overnights. Um, We used to pick and pack overnight, but we realized we've gotten so efficient with that that it really didn't help us um, because we've got, I don't know, 40 aisles or something like that in our warehouse. And when we would do it overnights, we'd burn through a bunch of orders. but. We're actually better off just saving it up and having a bigger pool to pull from uh, when we send people out to pick. Um, so anyway, replenishment overnight—you know, a two eight-hour shifts uh, for pick and pack. Um, you know, our, our pick process—it's uh, all scan guns. Um, you know, scan the bin, scan the product, scan the tote you put it in. Um, several different modes within there. Um, we do a lot of. Uh, we do a lot of single item, and a lot of that's due to uh, the volume we sell on Amazon. Those are all singles, of course. Um, so those all go; those are all batched in a single, uh, single tote. So 10, 12, whatever items, however many fit in there, each one is an in individual order. Those get picked. Uh, then we also have the multi-item ones, where we have. Uh, I should have sent you a picture. We 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 have these scooter carts that we make. So it's a, a three-shelf cart, and we build and put scooters on. We made, I think, 150 of them or so, and that's how our folks get around the warehouse.
0: Oh, that's awesome. You can still send that to me because um, we're we're going to be promoting this uh, next week.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll send that out. <laughs> the other thing I'll send you a picture of, too, is we just started uh, wrapping our order pickers. Um, so I, we have an order picker that looks like C-3PO and an order picker that looks like R2-D2. And
0: awesome.
1: Yeah, it's one of my favorite things I've think we ever done. Uh, let's see. So pick and pack. Um, all right, so yeah, we, have, we have a handful of different pick uh, methods, and we also, uh, we started doing um, a certain percentage of, of our items um, ship in the product, in the, the, in the shipping carton that they, they came in. Um, so they're all one-to-one. Um, so we actually started not even having bin locations for those. We leave those open overstock. We'll just bring down a pallet at a time. And then we can just print, you know, print a label right off, slap them on there. It doesn't even go through our uh, standard pick process. Hmm. Um, that was a huge uh, efficiency gain for us.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, and then packing, uh, you know, like I said, I don't know, probably 70% of our orders are single line. Um, and just about that many go into bags. So we've got, um, we'll call it, I don't know, 70 or so, um, traditional pack stations that have dozens of different box and bag combinations. And, uh, and then we have a total of six auto baggers, uh, sharp auto baggers, and about 65, 70% of our total volume goes through six auto baggers versus, uh, 70 different pack stations. Wow. So that, that was a, we implemented those two years ago and that was also a tremendous efficiency gain.
0: Yeah. What did that, what did that do for you? Like as I guess maybe a percentage
1: boy they well it's i don't i couldn't tell you an exact efficiency gain i know that it's about eight or nine to one um wow is roughly you know how, how quickly you can you can turn those out versus uh, a traditional vaccination.
0: station amazing amazing so from year to year um in the season how much do you vary because obviously that i mean you've got a plan for it and you've got a plan for the temps and you've got a plan for the inventory so what are you looking at as far as the variance from year to year
1: um, talking about like projections in in season.
0: Yeah, I guess yeah. Just just because I mean, with yeah, you let, me, have... let
1: me take you through the way that because everything starts with projections, right? Yeah. I mean that's we begin those. I mean we already kind of we have a template laid out for the next couple of years. Um, okay. A couple of reasons why we do that. One, um, we've we've discovered that uh, there the way that the. The day shift in Halloween impacts us, and it's something that we didn't figure out until a few years ago. We didn't have a great handle on it. Um, there's always two spikes before Halloween, and it's always the two Mondays before. Anybody that's e- in e com knows that you know your busiest order times are always going to be either Sunday night or Monday morning, when people are at work and don't feel like working. their are shopping, <laughs> um, so those are your two busiest times, uh, the two Mondays before. Um, now, as you know, Halloween shifts back at uh, or excuse me, forward a day. Every year, um, it, it, it changes the distribution between those two peaks. Uh, so last year, Halloween was on on a Monday, and a, a Monday Halloween is going to be the the peakiest peak uh, that we're going to see, if you want to call it that. Um, where a lot of people that would have bought on either of the two Mondays before now all bought on the Monday before because. You know people are shopping on Monday traditionally anyhow and then that's also it's a week out people think you know they they don't think about costumes until last minute but they also you know think that that's enough time to get it and and, which it is but um, so that's what we see so we we map out that distribution and then we look at you know how the how the different uh, revenue channels or sales channels play into that Um, so anyway we you know we start with with a a base projection, and, and as, you know, I think we do that right away in November, um, typically just to get us, get us an idea where we're going to land, and if we need to make any additional, uh, you know, investments into infrastructure or whatever. Um, and and now actually we know, you know, because of that that high peak last year, um, even if our we could grow 15, 20, 25 percent the next couple of years, and actually our peaks aren't going to jump as dramatically because they're going to continue to level out. Okay. Um, so that, that's something that, that's a you know, good for us and a benefit is we, we had to scale up to, to get ready for last year. Um, and we know that that's going to carry us through a couple more. Um, now so we, we lay out those projections and then we break that down, start with orders obviously, and then orders turn into shipments, shipments turn into picks. picks turn into you know replenishment that we talked about, you know different types of contacts. And we work all those things backwards and we just figure out, OK, what do we what do we need to do this year to, to prepare for what that is? And, and you know, we spend a good chunk of our year just getting ready for, for a busy season.
0: Awesome. Well, it sounds like you guys are doing it right over there. Um, it looks like you've you've taken some time to really delve into you know, what was working, what's not working. And you seem to you, you keep taking a look at it and wanting to appro- improve different areas. And I don't think that's gonna stop for you just just because you know, business never stops and, and things don't things always need to be improved. So I like to hear that.
1: Yep, absolutely. You know, and that's why we're you know, we're looking at the UK, we're looking at how to serve customers better and you know, and take something that would be you know, we're 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 outgrowing our warehouse either way. So let let's You know, if we need to invest in some additional infrastructure, let's do it in a way that helps folks.
0: Yeah, and you're doing it smart. You know, you're gathering the information. Your internal people are working together, and uh, you're executing it well. And uh, I love it. So what's next for fun.com?
1: What's next? Well, we talked about a huge uh, piece of what we do right now or what we're focused on is manufacturing. So we that thirty percent or whatever that's private label, we'd like to, to make that much, much higher. Um, you know, one I mentioned that costumes are, are a commodity, you know, in October. Well, they're not a commodity if you if you know if we can create a brand um, and, and actually, you know, make things that other people don't and, and you know, make higher quality items other than other people. So you know, we're working on transitioning into, you know, a, a design and manufacturing company. Uh, as best we can you know putting a focus on that and giving people what they want um, beyond that it's you know we looking at com, you know as, as much as I, I enjoy talking about seasonality it'd be awfully nice to not have to absorb quite that much of a peak right so we're always looking for ways to uh to grow that and, and expand the rest of the year
0: awesome well i am so excited to see what you guys are doing next i just want to thank you dallas you have uh, really embraced Two Babes Talk Supply Chain podcast and you went out of your way to be a guest on our show and I want to thank you for that because not everybody does that and I, I just want to show my appreciation so thank you so much um, just for our listeners we will have a free download on the topic at our website Um, and definitely remember to go to fun.com and see what they are up to uh, Dallas is going to send us some uh, really cool pictures that we're going to be using on social media and we'll put that up on our website for you as well to take a look at and uh, yeah that's that's pretty much it thank you so much Dallas
1: you're very welcome thank you for having me on Are you struggling to make the most out of your supply chain and keep your orders moving efficiently? IceCorp is your supply chain specialist, and they specialize in e-commerce, retail, and drop ship distribution. They will provide you with tailor-made solutions that will drive your business and sales forward. Get your free assessment. Visit them at icecorplogistics.com. Check out their Learning Center, as they have some great free resources waiting for you.
0: People are the key to scaling any seasonal business, and thank you to Dallas from Fun.com for joining us today. Next week, we're talking to Stephen and Robert, from Maple. We're going to be talking all about Canada U.S. trade and I think this is definitely timely with everything happening in the U.S. and all of the NAFTA renegotiations starting to happen so you're not going to want to miss that episode. We are your hosts Nick and Sarah. This episode was produced by Mike Mazurek. Remember to subscribe to us and write us a review on iTunes. We would so much appreciate it. We're also available on Google Play and Stitcher and remember everyone ship happens. Birth, birth, birth,